This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny. Risked everything for liberty. And they thought so we would be America, land of the Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast, American History for Kids. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. In the last episode, America won their freedom. Liberty had a new home. But what comes next? Well, our founding fathers had been thinking about that and came up with a new framework, a new way to create a government of this great country that they were starting. And this week, we're going to talk all about that, the Articles of Confederation. Hi, my name is Kimber. I'm 11 years old and I'm from Texas. My questions are, number one, what were the Articles of Confederation and why were they needed? Number two, who wrote the Articles of Confederation? Number three, when were they signed and how long did they last? And number four, why were the Articles of Confederation replaced? And now, with the answers to those questions, we have a friend that has been on the podcast before, Tony Williams from the Bill of Rights Institute. Since we are starting with the Articles of Confederation today, I want to start at a really basic level. What is an article and what is a confederation? Right. Well, an an article is a part of a constitution, part of a framework of government that that will will lay down what powers, let's say, a branch of government will have, uh, and uh, so so, th- so that's simple. And we'll talk about the complexities of the Articles of Confederation mm-hmm. in, in a minute, I think. But but a confederation is really it's like an association of states. It's kind of like a league or a group of of states uh, that you know is bound together in some way. Uh, and it's usually uh, kind of loose, right? It's kind of more of a friendship or an alliance rather than, let's say, a union of states as, uh, as under our constitution. This is more like a, a loose alliance that they, these states that are part of it might have something that's in common. And so they're working together, but it, they're not, they don't really see it as sort of a lasting permanent uh, union. It's, like I said, more of a friendship or a league. Okay, interesting. So why were these articles, um, you know, signed when they were? And actually, when was that? Right after the Declaration of Independence, which is, of mm-hmm. course, on July 4th, 1776, yeah. uh, the members of the, the Continental Congress uh, decided that they needed to establish a framework of government, right? Because the Declaration of Independence lays down certain principles uh, of liberty and equality and, and self-government. Uh, but it doesn't really say what kind of government you'll have or what powers that government will have. Uh, and so uh, the members of the Congress sat down uh, to write the Articles of Confederation 
But don't forget, this is during a war, and there's a lot of important decisions to be made, uh, and there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, and the war is not especially going very well at that yeah. point. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot of problems. Uh, and so they, they sit down to write this uh, article, uh, the, the, these articles, this, this first framework of government. Okay, so and when was that? Right, uh, so, so it's in 1777, mm -hmm. but they're actually not ratified mm -hmm. until 1781. So, so they sit down to write them, but then the all the states unanimously, all uh, 13 have to approve. So all the states actually have to sit down and unanimously ratify this. And, and that takes several years. And, and the reason why it takes several years is one, uh, some states just don't think it's very important uh, or several states had problems with certain clauses in the articles. Uh, and the other thing is, as I said, there's a war going on yeah. uh, and there's a lot of other important decisions to be made and other committees to sit on. Uh, and so for those reasons, it takes four years uh, from the time that the Congress actually approves of the document to the time that it, it's ratified and actually becomes the framework of government for the new nation. Yeah. So why do we need a framework of government? What is that? What does that really? What does that do for the people? Right. Well, the people at the time and we do mm -hmm. uh, need to know the powers of government. What what is the government empowered to do? Uh, what what powers does it exercise? And and that's really important because if if the government goes beyond the powers that were intended. Uh, you know, that threatens liberty. Uh, tyranny can result, right? The, mm -hmm. the government can become too powerful. And, uh, you know, when the people's liberties are threatened, that, that's the whole point of establishing the government in the first place, is to have a framework of government with certain powers so that the people's liberty and equality and justice are protected. So we, we have these articles, they tell us, you know, what the government can do so people know what, what to expect and, um, you know, get some more, some liberty that they had been looking for <laughs> as colonies. But who, who wrote them? Whose ideas were these? Yeah, that, that's a very interesting question because it's, it's an easy answer, but it's also a complex answer. Uh, John Dickinson uh, from Pennsylvania is, is generally credited with being the author of the document. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a really important point for young people to understand about this is that all of these documents from the American founding, including the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, all of those we can we can point out a, a certain author, such as Thomas Jefferson, I think most people know wrote the Declaration of Independence, or James Madison is credited with, be, with being the, the, the uh, author and, and main uh, guiding force behind the Bill of Rights. But all of these documents were part of a collaborative effort. They were part of a group effort. Uh, 
none were purely the work of just one man or one genius founding father, but they were always part of a conversation. So in these halls of Congress and these assemblies, wherever they were meeting, and, and for all these documents, they met in different places. But for the articles that, you know, we really need to credit the, the Continental Congress uh, with creating them. Uh, and so, you know, Dickinson submitted his handiwork. He submitted the document to the Congress and they would have a debate. They would have a deliberation. Uh, they would talk about their thoughts and feelings, concerns uh, about the document. And so this is part of, a, as I said, a, a conversation. And as part of that conversation, it was necessary at times to compromise, right? Maybe a certain delegate wouldn't get everything he wanted, uh, but he might get some things. Uh, and so as part of that debate, as part of that conversation, people had to have some give and take, right? They had to give up some things that they could to, to get other things that they wanted. And it was part of this great deliberative process. And I think actually that's one of the greatest things that we don't really talk about about the American founding mm -hmm. is that it's this great deliberative moment, this great conversation uh, about human nature and about self-government. Uh, and it's unlike anything that the world had ever seen before, uh, where we had this founding moment where we get to sat, sit down and create a government through conversation and deliberation based upon the principles that they believed in. Uh, it's, it's, it was really a remarkable achievement. In many ways, I think it's more of a remarkable achievement that it was part of a group effort mm -hmm. and part of this conversation and deliberation rather than just some great genius founding father who handed these documents down from on high. When, when you see the amount of compromise uh, mm -hmm. that it took to get these documents, that's what I think is the real genius behind the American founding, uh, that they produce these lasting documents of liberty uh, that were part of this give and take. Yeah. So like you said, this was a lot of work and it took a long time to get these passed, but they didn't last very long. So when, when did we move away from the Articles of Confederation and why did we need something else? Right. Well, that's a great question, right? It really goes to kind of the heart of the American founding in many ways. Um, so, so they're ratified in 1781, uh, and you know, right, and you know, to put it in historical context, that, that's right around the time that the Battle of Yorktown helps mm -hmm. to effectively win the war, which which officially ends two years later in 1783. And so we have this framework of government, right? Um, but it doesn't really work. Uh, and it does, it fails for several reasons. It, the biggest general reason is that it's just, a, it's a flawed framework, okay? Yeah. Uh, and let me give you a few examples. Yes. Uh, one is it, it really only has one branch of government, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it only has really a legislature uh, that makes the laws, right? It doesn't really have an independent executive branch or president. And it also doesn't really create a national judicial system, you know, of courts mm -hmm. and so forth. So, and, and even the legislature is the Confederation Congress is just one house. 
right? So there's no checks and balances with a, a two house legislature like we have today with our house and our Senate, right? They, they check each other, right? They have slightly different powers and, and that's really important. So besides that, uh, each state had the same vote. So regardless of how big they were with their population, regardless of how much wealth and political power they had, they were all equal. And, and we support equality as a principle, mm -hmm. uh, but many people at the time considered it unjust that a small state like, let's say, not to pick on them, but Rhode mm -hmm. Island mm -hmm. or Delaware, New Jersey, would have the same vote, would have the same say in government as, let's say, Massachusetts uh, mm -hmm. or Virginia or New York. These were just much more powerful states. And, and many founders at the time, such as James Madison and others, felt that it should be a representative system proportional to their population, right? So the bigger states would have a bigger say in government. A couple more problems. Uh, the national government, because we said a confederation was sort of a league of friendship, it was kind of an alliance, it wasn't, didn't really have a strong central government, that was one of the problems. Uh, the, the national government didn't really have a power to tax, and so it couldn't raise revenue to pay off all of that war debt, which was something like $79 million, which at the time, even today, was a staggering amount of money. Uh, and it also didn't have the power to regulate uh, trade. And that was very important because a lot of the states were actually ready to go to war with each other because they were having all these trade disputes and they were having trade disputes with other countries. Uh, and so although the Articles of Confederation was successful in terms of achieving peace uh, and the final peace treaty in 1783, it really failed to do its main job which was to govern effectively, uh, which was to provide a working framework of government, uh, and also to protect the people's liberties. Uh, just a quick example of that, uh, you know, the people's liberties were threatened, uh, let's say in, in Virginia, when a lot of uh, religious minorities, the dissenters, uh, who went against the official church, they were heavily persecuted under the law. They were, they were put in jail. Uh, even in, in, in the 1770s, 1780s. And so, you know, as religious liberty and other liberties are being threatened and as this framework of government is not really working well, a lot of people, a lot of leading statesmen at the time, believed that we needed a new kind of government. And so they actually go to Philadelphia in 1787 for the Constitutional Convention. And during that long summer, they were originally empowered to simply revise the articles. In other words, make just a few changes to them. Give this national government the power to tax, give it the power to regulate trade, give it the power to govern more effectively. Well, as soon as the delegates of the Constitutional Convention arrived in, in the convention in Philadelphia, they decided to scrap the Articles of Confederation. They just decided this was not, not working. Mm -hmm. They were a group of what we would call nationalists who wanted the national government to have more power. And so they started uh, developing over that long, hot summer in 1787, a new constitution. 
And by September 17th of 1787, they had what was effectively our constitution. Uh, and they submitted that to the people uh, and their representatives in the states uh, in what are called ratifying conventions. And between 1787 and 1788, these ratifying conventions met and they ratified the new constitution. And so therefore we got a more perfect union as that document says. And we got a, a lasting framework of government, which has uh, lasted, what, some 200, and I'll have to do the math in my head, so 236, 237 <laughs> yeah. years. Uh, and so, uh, and it also provided for amendments. So, uh, you know, we get a Bill of Rights uh, as well as other amendments. Uh, but I think we'll, you'll save mm -hmm. that for a, a future episode. But <laughs> but that's how we got, in, you know, the, so the Articles of Confederation effectively lasted only about six or seven years, right? It just didn't work. It, it was a failed system of government. And we, because of that, we got a more permanent, enduring framework of government, uh, what, what Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, called the, the great liberty document. Wow, that is that is a great a great start. And yeah, like you said, the, the article articles of confederation only only lasted for about what eight years or so. But right. ever since then, we've had the, the same constitution, which is really something. Yeah, it's really remarkable. I, I'll just say a quick word about that uh, mm -hmm. for, for the young people to reflect upon is that, you know, it, it's a government, that, a, a framework of government uh, that has lasted so long. And it's not just the length of time that's important, but, but think about all the changes, uh, you know, we were in, in, in riding horses back when mm -hmm. it was ratified. And, and now we have airplanes uh, and cars and our country is much bigger. And we have all this new technology and smartphones. Mm -hmm. And we have all these changes that have gone on in our society, in our military and our, 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 our government and, 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 and all of these changes that are going on. Yet that that framework of government has adapted, right? It, it was it was it was you know they had a lot of foresight mm -hmm. to build a flexible document that could change that could change to uh, adapt to all these changes in society, and, and I think that that's really really important and probably the greatest part of this constitutional achievement of the founding fathers. Absolutely. So as for the Articles of Confederation, what is the most important thing to keep in mind about those? Right. Well, you know, I think that uh, to give it a lot of credit and a lot of due, uh, the Articles of Confederation uh, was built upon uh, the experience under the British and, and their harsh rule and, and their tyranny. And so, you know, a lot of the, the delegates who, who, who went to the Continental Congress were very concerned about creating a very strong national or central government because they were afraid that that government would take away their liberties. They also had a great deal of attachment to their local communities and, and to their states. And they, you know, they didn't want some distant government, uh, you know, hundreds of miles away telling them what to do. 
and telling them how to live and telling them how to run their lives. Uh, and so they were very fearful uh, of that national power. So that's very important to understand. And, and as I said, the, the Articles of Confederation did have some successes, but in the end, men like James Madison, uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, and, and George Washington and others, saw that very quickly over that six, seven, eight year period that the Articles was just not working effectively and, and they just needed a more perfect union. They just needed a new constitutional framework uh, and they achieved that at the Constitutional Convention very successfully. Great, well, thank you so much for joining us today and introducing us to the Articles of Confederation. This will definitely help and as we move forward through the rest of the founding documents. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there you go. A brand new country and we needed a way to run it. And that's when we brought in the Articles of Confederation, which had been in the works for an awfully long time. But as America continued to grow, they weren't really getting the job done anymore. And that's when the Constitution comes in. But that's a story for another day. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to visit growingpatriots.com for more resources about this episode and every episode. You can also find information about the Growing Patriot books. We're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Growing Patriots. Talk to you next time. They freed us all from tyranny. Distributed by FCB Radio Network.